I have more of these now in, as, as a middle-aged man, right, than I have ever had in any other season of my life. And that's uh, doubts about God's very existence. Um, yeah. And that's a, that's a thing that I, I do wrestle with. And I, I never really wrestled yeah. with, with that before. Got a beard and it's looking something fierce Having beers with my peers And talking rap careers Reflecting on the years Connecting on the tears Shipwreck faith ain't always as appears I'm bringing you fresh music I'm bringing fresh ideas I'm bringing you the dudes in the indie music biz Chilling at the shows and talking about the pain With people who learned how to face it and be sane Sipping on a brew Doing interviews No topics off the table but we focus on breakthroughs So kick up your feet we're gonna put it in check You're listening to brews, beards and shipwrecks One, two one, two, a mic check, stone bounce, Royal Ruckus on the scene, just to announce. We got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear. One, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bounce, Royal Ruckus on the scene, just to announce. We got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear. Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. I'm Nomadic Vagabond with... Ya boy. Chun Jay. Yes, sir. Royal Ruckus, also <laughs> known as Jamie Bennett. Yeah, man. Um, so we're just here today. We're going to do another little kind of banter episode, kind of getting to know each other. Um, and basically, I'm going to just interview him this time. Um, there's not a whole lot you guys might not know, but um, there might be some stuff you don't. So um, I guess first off, what are you drinking, my friend? Man, I am actually drinking some homebrew. I, oh. I recently uh, dabbled in brewing hard seltzer. And uh, okay. I'm more of a beer snob, right? So I, you know, it's almost embarrassing to admit that I not only drink hard seltzer, but that I am homebrewing it as well. <laughs> but but I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's not so much like it's an amazing flavor or whatever. It is an enjoyable yeah. beverage. It's refreshing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's light, it's good for a hot day, and it's always hot in mm -hmm. Florida. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it's also lower in carbs, yep. which is lower easier on my waistline. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, man, because, like, uh, we got a lot of hard seltzers, um, you know, coming out, especially in the Northwest, too. I've actually yeah. got a guy I work with. He blames uh, White Claw for COVID, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good but, uh, story I haven't heard yet. <laughs> Know, right he's like he's like you know we didn't have that somebody started drinking all that and i was like man you know what you might have a point dude <laughs> um but it's like I've, I've tried a couple hard seltzers that i do enjoy yeah um i i just tend to not like them as much because i do like to drink for more flavor and it's like yeah. usually seltzer is what i'm drinking when i'm not drinking like i love topo chico like that stuff is sure. so good yeah. with a little lime i love it oh, so man. but i mean that is but like stuff. you're saying you know little lazy little easier on the waistline it's crisp clean great for hot days <laughs> yeah and actually the homebrew recipe i mean my gosh i think i could make like 50 beers for like 20 bucks mm -hmm. well seltzers 50 yeah, seltzers yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's the same thing, and that's why I got into brewing my own kombucha. Yeah, right? Because it's like, it's World so apart. much cheaper. It's like, yeah. you know, 3 to $5 for a bottle when yeah. you could brew like 12 batches for like 5 bucks, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I almost didn't believe when people would say that. And yeah. then I started brewing kombucha myself and went, oh, well, no, it's exactly what everybody says. It's pennies on the dollar. 
Yeah. 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 No, I, I do buy um, commercial com- kombucha sometimes, um, especially if it's on tap. Like I'm definitely willing to throw down five bucks for a pint uh, on tap five or seven bucks. Yeah. But, um, but that's like from, coming from the same place as like having a pint of beer. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, when, when it, when it comes to like the bottles, I very rarely buy any small bottles of commercial kombucha. I buy the big ones. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like every now and then, you know, you want to treat. And a lot of times my kombucha, I, I might've mentioned this last time, my kombucha, uh, I leave it a little long sometimes. So it goes a little more sour, uh, yeah. the commercial stuff. A lot of it's real on the sweet side. So it's kind Sweeter. of a treat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I know it's funny because like having not drinking soda for so long, if right. I have like a kombucha that's sweeter, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like soda pop. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What is you know, this? yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm drinking a porter. Uh, it's Capella Porter from Ecliptic Brewing out here in uh, Portland. Yeah, it's actually he uh, it was uh, John Harris. He used to be the head brewer of Deschutes, and then I think he worked at Full Sail too. So he's got his own uh, hey. brewery now. That's, that is not a bad resume right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like um, you're just going to knock it because of your line of work and also the region you live in, you're just going to knock it out the park every single time when it comes to what we're drinking. <laughs> I mean, possibly, but I mean, do for, I mean, cigar city, you know what I mean? Oh, it's true. Yeah. So maybe I need to start thinking of, of what I need to have for the show. And feature oh, yeah. some Florida stuff because because there is some good beer here. That's yeah. for sure. So. Well, it'd be cool too, even to find ones that we can get out here and out there, and then be able to like drink the same thing. You yeah, know what I mean, oh, that, that'd be fun you for know. sure. Um. All right, man. Well, uh, so basically, I guess we're just gonna kind of do what we did last week. Yeah. And um, I'll just kind of say some of the things I think I know about you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can fill in the blanks and correct me where I'm wrong. Sure. Um, so you grew up in Bakersfield, California. Spot on. Okay. Um, <laughs> you, your father, your biological father passed when you were young. Yeah. yeah. And um, your mom remarried when you were still young, right? Yes. Um, how old were you? So I was two when he passed. Okay. Yeah. And then I was, I was three when she remarried. Okay. Um, okay. It would have been more than a year, but that was, that was my age. Right. So. And so your family um, comes from like, like Mormon, like Mormon, like lineage, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we were de- like a long line back to the early Mormons. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, my, my family actually came over from England to the United States to be part of the Mormon movement in the, in the early days, wow. like wagon train, whole nine. Um, so like when wow. we, okay. when, when my father died, uh, you know, my mom kind of went, I always say she just like went through a period of soul searching, you know, and it was yeah. through like some soul searching that, that uh, she ended up leaving the Mormon church. And that was a, huge deal and you know it was very difficult for some of our family members to accept and that kind of thing you know yeah was there any like for lack of a better word like excommunicating of the family because of that yeah yeah it, it uh it actually got pretty intense um you know especially because my mom didn't just like it wasn't like my dad died and then my mom just stopped showing up to church 
right, you know, right. It wasn't like that at all. Like she was studying and um, yeah. And she, she ended up, you know, converting uh, to evangelical Christianity. And we went to a Calvary chapel for a while. And then later a, a different non-denominational church where, uh, which is coincidentally called Calvary as well. And uh, it was actually uh, mm. Calvary, uh, Calvary Bible is where uh, Royal Ruckus started. So we were three kids who all knew each other from church and school. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. But but for my mom, it was like, you know, from the Mormon perspective, right, they see themselves as, as the only church and the restoration of the only church, right? And um, so for for someone to leave that is to abandon the one true restored uh, church. And uh, so that was a big deal for her to start going to a completely different church. And yeah. uh, she, she was very tough, man. She, uh, she went and faced her accusers, so to speak, you know, and uh, shared with them why, and they gave her the left boot of fellowship. Dang. Um, you know, but I, w- I will say for, most of the people that uh, I know who are Mormons, they've been very kind to us. And, uh, you know, many of the people I grew up with, uh, like their parents had been friends with my dad and stuff like that, you know, and uh, they, they were Mormon kids and we got along great, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So practically speaking, you know, put a little strain in the family at times, but uh, I think everybody's good now, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. that's good. That's good. I mean, it can be really hard with things like that, like with, with family. You know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Especially when things are like held very dear to your heart, yeah, you know, and yeah. and you really believe that this is important. And mm-hmm. when when someone walks away from that, uh, it can be confusing and hurtful sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot different than just say like friends, because you know when you have friends, they go through different. Yeah. Sometimes you guys go through different periods, but it's like you're always usually friends unless it's something you know, crazy out there, you know, personal mm-hmm. hurt or something, but usually it's like, okay, we'd still kick it, you know, sure. It might yeah. be different, but when it's family, it's a lot, it, it puts more strain on some of those relationships. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. But it's like, you know, when, when you're soul searching, it's like, you just come to a point where it's like, I, I need to be fulfilled in my soul, you know? Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. you're willing to a degree to, sacrifice some of those things so i get that i get that wholeheartedly yeah. yeah for sure um so and then you have one brother no so i have two brothers and one two sister brothers. okay um, okay and then all of them have one to two daughters so i have five okay. nieces <laughs> oh wow wow yeah yeah um so that's pretty cool and you are the not the youngest but right above the youngest no, I, I am the youngest. You are the yeah. youngest. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. And there was a gap between me and the other siblings. So they, they um, you know, they, their experience of losing our father was a little different than mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, they did a lot of their, I mean, we're all sorting it out throughout our whole yeah. lives. Right. Yes, but yes. Um, I think they did a lot of the sorting of it at a younger time because they were more prepared and, mm-hmm. you know, they were at least adolescents, you know, and my, my oldest brother was a teenager, you know, yeah. um, I, I had to kind of like grow up and then sort it out later, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, it's funny because it's like, I grew up in a divorced family. Sure. I grew up and my parents were already divorced and then I was five, four, three, yeah, five when my dad got remarried. So like my okay. stepmom pretty much raised me. 
Okay. But, but, but my wife, she, her parents got a divorce when she was 13. And so it's like, even though we both dealt with divorce, we experienced it in two separate ways. So for me being very young, it's like, I knew it wasn't the norm, but it was the norm. And so for her, she saw, you know, what it was like with her parents together and then separate. So it's, it's like you're saying, it's like dealing with it in two different ways because of ages, you know, and it can definitely have a different effect. Oh, that's all. That totally makes sense, man. Yeah. Um, And so, I know you're, so speaking of hip hop, I know your, your older brother was the one who got you into it, but I don't know, was it your oldest, oldest brother? So it was kind of both. Um, my, my memory of the first time hearing the Beastie Boys was, uh, I think I mentioned was in my brother's Volkswagen. That was my oldest brother. Uh, but I feel like both brothers were in the car. Uh, (laughs) but Honestly, um, you know, also probably equally formative in that was also the early 90s, which would have mm-hmm. been our middle brother, my brother, Corey. Gotcha. Um, in the early 90s, he, I mean, th- there was not a lot of good hip hop on the radio in Bakersfield. Okay. And uh, not until the mid 90s. The, the, it, it was pretty much just Buck Owens, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was all country. No, they, right. you know, there, there was, you know, there were some good stations, but like as far as hip hop, it just it took a while to really get play. And, uh, you know, he had done some training down in Los Angeles one summer for a job or something. And when he was down there, all he did was listen to hip hop and he would record it on like a cassette recorder right off the radio. And he would bring these cassettes home to little 12 year old me. And like those things were solid gold. And, uh, and then from there it was like, I went out, I would go to the record store, I'd go to Blockbuster and like eventually Blockbuster, you know, you could listen. And uh, yeah, yeah. so I started, you know, that, that really launched me into exploring, but you know, at the same time too, like I owe my mom a lot of credit. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I should also say my, my sister had a boyfriend at one point who was um, like a new Christian and he was into Christian hip hop. And I didn't even know such a thing existed. You know, yeah, I was just yeah. in love with like Run DMC and the Beastie Boys. Yeah. yeah. And he introduced me to PID. And uh, I think my mom bought me like Stephen Wiley and and then eventually SFC and just a whole bunch of these groups. D-Boy. Um, yeah, exactly. He, you're holding up that PID CD, right? That's uh, their second or yeah, third man. one, I think. Um, yeah. Fantastic record. Um, but yeah, so... It, it was in part through that. And I think my mom, uh, I don't know, she, she liked that I liked music and wanted to support that. And um, she would take me to the Bible bookstore to buy, uh, you know, I had a huge Christian hip hop collection as relatively speaking. Right. 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 Like as 20, as it, the right. 20 things were out. Like that's yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> that right. was the whole market. Yeah. But I had them all, you know, or I, I had a lot of them, you know, and, and that was in part because my mom was really supportive and she would let me actually do chores for music, you know? Oh, nice. It, yeah. It was a pretty sweet deal. We worked out at some point. So, yeah, I used to always have to, uh, I would get, we, we'd get like good grade money. Oh yeah. Oh, grade money. And That's I forgot. Yeah. About that. <laughs> and so, you know, I remember when I would be at my, my mom's house, if, if I got good grades, I would get $20. And so, nice. of course, I'm like, 20 bucks, that's two tapes. 
or sometimes I would get a couple of singles because they'd be three bucks, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I remember getting it was the um, I got the under the bridge single, and um, nice. it was like the baby got back single. <laughs> My mom wasn't too happy with it, but I'm like, no, nah, I mean it's okay, <laughs> mom, you know. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's like you know, it's like those formative years. It's like you know, you just get a little bit, and it's like you know. Oh yeah. You know, you just have that that small collection of silly bills, but you know it so well. You know. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I got a real quick anecdote for you that because uh, you just reminded me of it. So one one time, my mom took me down to Blockbuster to buy something, and I bought a single. This is one of the first CDs I bought. Okay. Um, and it, it I bought uh, it was Naughty by Nature's Uptown Anthem. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't allowed to buy things with explicit lyrics. I mean, I did, and I would hide them. Yeah. But. Um, but yeah, I, I bought that. There was no sticker on it. And my mom didn't have a CD player in her car. I had a boom box with like all the super heavy D batteries in there and all yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm playing it on the boom box in the passenger seat. And they dropped that F word in like the first minute and a half. And she flipped a U-turn. And I was so embarrassed. <laughs> she marched me into Blockbuster and made me return it. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> so, like that, and that's a that's something that just can't doesn't even happen anymore. Like it's not even possible now. Like who's gonna march yeah. into you know? Like it just doesn't happen. But yeah, well now it would be like you have to delete that off of your computer. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Remove it from your yeah. account. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's it's funny with how that is because like my son, he plays the violin. Yeah. And uh, it was. I'm really bummed because it was in April. So it was like right when COVID hit, everything got shut down. But like Nas was coming with and playing with the Oregon Symphony. Okay. And so I, I was really excited because I was like, okay, for me, my wife, that's our world's coming together because she loves classical music. Yeah. And so we're thinking of bringing my son. And so I was like, hey, dude, um, why don't you listen to Illmatic, you know, and then tell me what you think about it. And then we'll see about maybe having you come to the concert. So he listened to it and... I was like, okay, so what'd you think, dude? And he's like, I give it a an eight or no, I give it a six out of ten. And I'm like, Ooh. six out of ten? That's like <laughs> I'm like, that's a classic LP. And he's like, Well, I'd give it eight out of ten if it was clean, Dad. <laughs> so oh, it's just so funny man. how you know, he likes it clean. And I was like, when I was a kid, I was like, man, you know, try you know, we're trying to sure. sneak the explicit stuff past our parents. Yeah. Um Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> you're, so, you're raising them well, right? <laughs> yeah, trying, trying, you know. <laughs> Um, so you, you ended up forming this love, you know, with, with hip hop and then especially getting into, you know, gospel hip hop, Christian hip hop. Yeah. Um, so did you ever have, you know, I guess this is something I've never heard you talk about either. Did you ever have that point as far as like, I mean, were you listening to just like Christian hip hop and the other hip hop or were you only listening to this because you couldn't listen to the other? Yeah, no, I, I was allowed to listen to everything um, except the, the cutoff was the cuss words, right? So it wasn't necessarily like mm-hmm. a deeply thought out, like principled perspective. Um, and I, I, I mean that with love. Uh, like I could go down to Walmart and buy the radio version of Cypress Hill and my parents would be fine, you know? Like the messages are completely oh, yeah. intact. Uh, they just took out the naughty words that yeah. they can't play yeah. on the radio. Um, so my parents would allow that. Yeah. 
And, you know, in hindsight, if I had been smarter, I would have just accepted that because that meant my parents were pretty freaking cool. You know, they had very simple rules yeah. uh, and I just needed to follow them. Uh, instead, I had to go farther and yeah. I didn't, I, I wanted to buy the real thing and I would only buy the radio one to like, right. you know, whatever. In, in any case, it ended up causing a lot of conflict with my parents. And uh, eventually, I think I told this on an, uh, on a conversation with cookbook that maybe will make its way here again. But um, she ended up throwing out my entire record collection. My mom ended up throwing out my entire record collection when I was um, 14. Mm. Um, and it was very painful. And it was a huge collection. Uh, bigger than in almost well, bigger than any other fourteen-year-old that I knew. Uh, I had the best, I had the best album collection of CDs and cassettes uh, yeah. of anybody that I knew, and she threw them all out. Um, but you know what? I earned that. I deserved that. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just kept breaking the rules, and I'd just been arrested for graffiti, and then I, they gave me a little bit of freedom back, and I abused it right away. So, you know. And and yeah. and while I still wish they hadn't thrown them all out, like I wish <laughs> some of those records I've been able to track back down, you know. Yeah. Uh, but some yeah. were irreplaceable, and yeah, um, you know, including even like some local jazz records and stuff, and local oh, yeah. hip hop records that I had, yeah. um, they're just gone. I mean, yeah. Um, but it, it definitely formed my character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I th I think that's definitely. I mean, that I've. I've went through stuff like that too, where, um, you know, just different things with your upbringing, like years, you know, like I, I, I remember being so mad at my parents at the time because of X, Y, and Z, but now yeah. I'm like, they were just doing the best they could, you know, yeah, it's absolutely. like trying to, I mean, and as a parent right now, I'm always like, how much, how much am I screwing my children up and trying yeah. not to. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, so how involved like with um like church and stuff were you um grown up i mean i guess like at, at what point you know i think that's something you might have spoken about but like i don't remember like really hearing but like when did you actually decide like i actually want to you know you chose christianity for yourself and decided to be that and sure follow that through oh that's you know honestly i don't know if that's a question i've ever really answered definitely not on this show if i've answered on any, any other shows not this one um i would say you know basically we we were pretty devout mormons and then when when uh my mom became a christian then she remarried right and my stepdad who i i call dad because he raised me and uh mm -hmm. and i love him and my parents are are married today um so um but he was a new christian and so he was very very, you know, as they would have said on fire for the Lord, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. so we, yeah. we were in church all the time. So we were definitely there every Sunday and then, uh, and every Wednesday, and then we went to vacation Bible school and mission trips and, and the whole nine. Um, I think maybe, you know, when I was four or five, I think I might've said a sinner's prayer or something like that. Um, I, I don't have any particular recollection of that. I think my mom has a, an account written down somewhere, uh, when I was eight, I asked to be baptized. Um, you know, I was, I was baptized with my brother, um, who, who was seven years older than me. And, uh, that was a pretty cool experience. Um, and then, 
you know, in middle school, I think that's when I really started clowning around and acting out like a lot of kids do, you know, uh, a lot of vandalism, <clears throat> you know, just breaking stuff because I thought it was cool. I mean, it's just embarrassing almost even to say it sometimes. Uh, but it is fun to break stuff. To this day, I like breaking stuff. But uh, <laughs> at one time, I had an old laptop. And I just, I thought it'd be fun to take a bat to it, you know, uh, that, that's that same impulse, but at least that was my property. Right. So, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I was doing stuff like that. I glued the locks at the middle school. Actually, the funny thing about that was, um, that's how I met J dog who was co-founder of Royal Ruckus. He's not in mm. the group anymore, but he was one of the founding members. Um, I met him gluing the locks at school trying to get an extra day off of school it didn't work and uh and he bragged about it too much and we got caught um and and then and then i was into graffiti and i was doing the hip-hop thing i was in a i was in a tagging crew um it's what was the name of the crew fsu okay uh, yeah i think i can understand what that stands for oh yeah yeah <laughs> and man i i i I feel bad, man. I, I played my mom like a fool, you know, like I had all the FSU gear, Fresno State University gear. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> to go with it. Like we went down to like the, the hip hop clothing shop where they sell the ridiculous giant jeans and the belt buckles. And I got FSU and like I made up a story on what it stood for and like, you know, but I was, you know, I was living a double life. I was only like 14. Did you right? have a, did you have a, a graph name yeah i was fade with a ph oh dope dope yeah uh i honestly i wasn't all that good um yeah. <clears throat> i was learning and i and yeah. I, I was with some good dudes fsu was was a tough crew um but you know actually we we tangled with another crew and here was the bad thing none of the people in my crew went to my school and uh this other crew we tangled with had people at our school and uh i almost got stabbed with a pencil once actually <laughs> dang dude yeah uh it's it's a different story but man i was i was playing with some fire that i didn't understand um you know yeah. because i i was a, a you know i i hate this term but i'll use it anyway i was a privileged white kid um from from a you know pretty good like stable home and uh in a big house and the whole nine and like I was rolling with some stuff that was almost on some gangsta ish, you know, and, mm. and I didn't quite know what I was getting into. And uh, yeah, two months before I got arrested was when I almost got jumped by a whole bunch of dudes. I got very lucky uh, that this other guy who had beef with them walked up at the same time. And so, yeah. you know, I guess it was the grace of God just saved me that yeah. day. And then yeah. two months later, I would also say the grace of God made it possible for me to get arrested. And uh, at that point, it scared the crap out of me. I think if I saw clearly the stupidity of what I was doing. And, um, you know, I, I walked the aisle and I rededicated my life to the Lord like the very next day. Like I got a, we were doing, we, we went to a punk rock show and snuck away to go do some graffiti and that's when we got arrested and uh the very next day that was saturday night so the next day i went forward rededicated my life and then i became obnoxious about jesus um 
and it was zealous. Like, <laughs> yeah, a Bible tracks, the whole nine. Like I'm some of these people who friend request me on Facebook that I went to high school with. I'm like, I hope they don't remember that Bible tract I gave them that called them hellbound, you know, Catholic heretics or something. Were, you know, like <laughs> were they the chick tracks? I did give out some chick tracks. Yeah. I have to admit. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the rest of the story on that is like, I think really like that arrest, like made me fully, you know, made me fully commit my life to Christ. And, um, and I got goofy about it for a while, but I mean, who isn't? So you were, you were what, how old were you at the time? So it was my freshman year in high school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then, um, and then by my senior year, you know, I, put out a Royal Ruckus record. I put out a cassette of my own. Um, and I was kind of reformulating what I thought about my faith. Um, I wasn't trying to leave my faith, but I was thinking through things and uh, kind of like reading theology. I started working at a Christian bookstore uh, when I was like a senior in high school or maybe a freshman in college. Um, no, I, actually it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But in high school, I started working at a Christian bookstore and um, and like that made a big, big difference in my, in my thinking. And then like studying theology and I don't know, it's, it's a wild ride. Eventually I ended up, you know, an orthodoxy as you know, but really the moment that I truly was, you know, sold out to Christ was probably uh, when I was 14 years old, the day after I got arrested. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. And so I know you went through many different, um, um, I guess, you know, denominations and or traditions of Christianity. Yeah. Um, how many did you go through, I guess, before you landed at the Orthodox Church? Sure. So, well, you know, I mean, I guess it's... Because you all... kind of just climbed your way up, right? So yeah. to speak. I, I, you know, the way I look like at through it... through high church... Yeah. I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's a metaphor that could be used for sure. Um, the way I usually think about it is more in terms of chronology. Um, e each step moved me further back in history and closer to the original church, which is where I wanted to be from the get go. That, that was really, that was what I inherited. That was the, what was traditioned to me and my family, yeah. right? Like, yeah. The yep. whole point of Mormonism is going back to ancient Christianity, or so they, they want to, right? Mm -hmm. Or to restore ancient Christianity. Um, my mom raised the, you know, raised the question of, well, maybe ancient Christianity never went away. Maybe there were always Christians. You know, maybe there's not one church in 18, you know, 30 or whatever, standing up and saying, we're the one. Maybe, right. maybe it's a different model. Right. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And so my mom planted those seeds and then, you know, I, I dabbled in a lot of things. I was, I was definitely a Presbyterian um, for a while, a couple of years. And then I was a, uh, isn't, I was an Anglican for the longest time. Um, but, you know, I dabbled with Lutheran stuff. I dabbled in charismatic stuff. Uh, I don't know. I studied everything, talked to everybody. I mean, I even made friends when I was in Hawaii with, uh, you know, some Hare Krishnas. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's so funny because I was just about to ask as far as like, did you ever 
come to a point where you're going to seek out outside of Christianity. And in my head, I was thinking I'm like Hare Krishna, just because it <laughs> right? sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're interesting people. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, look, I studied everything, but I don't think that I really, you know, I didn't wrestle with like Hinduism, you know, like I studied it. And I, yeah. I mean, I even studied in college. Like it wasn't even my, my major in my undergrad, I was doing elementary education and uh, I took whatever electives I could on religion. Uh, mm -hmm. My favorite professor was, um, he was a, technically an Episcopalian, but I think ultimately he was a Hindu. Mm -hmm. um, and he was my favorite professor. Like uh, he yeah. was just brilliant and so insightful. So, uh, so, you know, I definitely gave everything the best fair shake that I could. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I'm thoroughly a Christian and, yeah. and even in my days, and I have more of these now than I've ever had in before. Um, and at the end of the day, even with those, I keep coming back to Jesus. So yeah, there's something about Jesus Christ that I can't escape. Yeah. Ever. You know, it's like, I, you know, I had, I came to that moment too and I actually was coming to a point where I was going to start searching out I, I did search outside of Christianity because it was all I was yeah. given and I was sure. like I, I just want God and so maybe it's outside of this what I've been given yeah um but for me it was that same exact realization where I've just come face to face with this person of Christ yeah and I I couldn't I couldn't walk away from it right. you know I couldn't and um and so eventually, you know, that's where I ended up landing, where I landed, where I feel like I, you know, I gave, you know, it's not like I, I fully sought out, like, okay, I'm going to be a practicing, you know, Jew for a year. I'm going to be a practicing Hindu for yeah. a year or something like that. Like, I can do that, you know. Right. But um, I really was, like, looking outside. And I think how you were doing it, like, you know, you, you were soul searching. And even Absolutely. going through these different, you know, um, iterations of Christianity, you're still soul searching, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so at, so I guess what year and, or how old were you when you actually ended up in the Orthodox church and what brought you there? Yeah. So a uh, thumbnail sketch would be, you know, I was right. 14 when I really committed my life to Christ, eight baptized, you know, 14 recommitted. That's a better way to put it. Um, theological journey was like at 18, 17, 18. And then I was Presbyterian in college, Anglican basically right after college. And, um, and then a few years later I was Orthodox. So I was, I was 29 when I was baptized in the Orthodox church. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, I struggled with orthodoxy for like six years. Um, and mm. maybe if I hadn't become an Anglican, I would have become orthodox sooner. Um, I think what Anglicanism did is it let me hold on to what felt comfortable of Protestantism. Yeah. And allowed me to participate in, to some degree, to whatever extent, in a historic church, in a historic yeah. liturgy, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I'm great. You know, I, I want to say, I think we talked about this a little bit last time, but I want to say I'm very grateful for all of these things. Like yeah. all these things shaped me into who I am mm -hmm. and I am thankful for what I received. Um, you know, and, and 
be becoming Orthodox was almost a little painful for me because I didn't want, um, I didn't want to create the impression that like I was breaking fellowship with people I loved, you know, and that was mm. hard. That was hard. I, I yeah. was afraid to tell people actually. Um, I kept yeah. it secret for a while. Um, I, I, uh, I told my sister, but I lived with my sister. What was I going to tell her? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, I yeah. told my mom cause like, I love my mom, but I was in Hawaii. I moved to a new community, uh, the world's most re uh, you know, remote Island chain. And I was converting to orthodoxy. It was about the easiest yeah, yeah. way to be like, Shh. yeah, yeah. And, and then, so what, what brought you yeah, to Hawaii? Um, what, what got you to Hawaii? Well, my sister lived there. Um, I love Hawaii. It's been a place that like everybody in my family has gone there. And, you know, we took family trips there. Like actually after my dad, my aunt used to live there after my dad died. That was my dad's sister. Uh, she flew us to Hawaii so we could get our minds off of things. Like Hawaii's just always been a very special mm. place, you know? And yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was in Nashville for music but I wasn't doing music at the moment. Like we just got dropped. Uh, well, uh, it might not be the right word. We actually requested and signed to be released from Flickr records. And, um, and so we were free, but we weren't doing anything. And, uh, my sister's, well, uh, and there was a, sh a bit of a shipwreck in my life at the time that I don't want to share tonight. Um, but that was going on too. Right. So I just had a lot of things happening and my sister was like, how about a change of pace? And yeah. that was at the same time I got offered a job with the company I work for now. And it was a remote position. Uh, and so I was like, I think everything just aligned. Let's go. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then in Hawaii, like I wasn't sure if I was going to, I, I knew there was an Orthodox church there, but I tried to go to the Lutheran church and I tried to go to the Episcopal church there as last ditch efforts to avoid becoming orthodox yeah uh, and uh <laughs> they were wonderful people especially the lutherans were awesome um i actually have uh luther's seal as a tattoo so oh wow, wow. uh so like the pre the pat not priest the pastor and his wife um they saw my tattoo and they were just like come here come here. i think i even ended up <laughs> yeah. in their church directory man like oh wow when I was a catechumen in the Orthodox church, I think I got printed in the Lutheran church directory, <laughs> but I was never actually Lutheran. So, wow. you yeah, know, it's, it's funny. It's weird stuff that only like happens in the modern time or, yeah. and, and especially in like the West in America. So, yeah, it's funny because it's like one of my biggest hangups when I was coming into the Orthodox church was the Trinity. Yeah. And that was something I was struggling with personally. Yeah. Yeah. And that was actually something that was giving me to be like, okay, well maybe I'm going to look down other spiritual religious avenues. Yeah. And so that's what was so hard when I was coming to the Orthodox church, cause everything was in the name of the father, oh, the son, and the intense. Holy spirit. But <laughs> here's what's ironic is I have the Trinity tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first tattoo I ever got. And so people are like, but you have it. I'm like, I know, but you know, and then of course I had people who were like, oh, you know, you're a Led Zeppelin fan. I'm like, well, actually it's a little different. Then people sure. are like, oh, you're a diehard POD fan. I'm like, well, I am, but that's not why I got it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, well, see, so go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I just want to interject real quickly that 
So for me, that was one of the most attractive things about orthodoxy was the Trinity. And oh, wow. upon further reflection, I think it really goes back to my mother. You know, my mother is very huge in my spiritual formation. And when, when I was growing up, you know, she was unlearning 30 plus years of Mormon teaching and embracing the evangelical faith uh, and scripture in a different way, a different paradigm. Yeah. And she she yeah. had to go from believing Jesus is, you know, essentially her elder brother, spiritual elder brother to being um, the second person of the Trinity. And, mm, yeah. you know, and so for her, it was very important uh, about the deity of Christ and uh, the importance of the Trinity. And so she really drilled that into me along with a lot of like compare and contrast with, uh, with Mormon thinking, which I think kind of helped create a mindset for me that was mm, right yeah. for theology. But, but so when I got to orthodoxy and I'm going to shut up and turn it back to you, but uh, when I got to orthodoxy, it was like the triune God is just invoked constantly over and over the prayers themselves are trinitarian in form sometimes you know and mm -hmm. uh that meant a lot to me because that was instilled in me from a very young age uh by my mother yeah you know? so so that's interesting yeah. that we kind of had yeah. like a different experience in coming into orthodoxy on that yeah and that's so yeah. central to orthodoxy so that must yep. have been a big yep. a big uh moment for you yeah. Well, and, and it was one of those things where it's like, I had so many questions I felt like were being answered that I was like, I'm just going to shelf this, you know, issue that I have and just keep going. Because it wasn't like, because I'm the type of person sometimes that I tend to be like, okay, I have to figure this one thing out before I move to the next step. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know what, just let me set that aside. It's like we were talking about last week, as far as like, you know, just closing the book and putting it away you know sometimes like okay i'm just going to shelf this right now and i know eventually in time either it's going to be answered or i'm just going to be comfortable with it to a degree yeah and yeah. i i feel like there's slowly but surely more of those things are getting especially that particular thing gets answered all the time because it is invoked all the time sure and a lot of those those pieces of the puzzle that i was trying to figure out earlier are slowly being put together. Yeah. And so there's yeah. less, there's less like separation of the Trinity where yeah. it's, it's always together and it just, it makes more sense, you know, slowly, but surely. So. Well, what, one, one of the things, uh, let me just interject one thing here is that um, I think no matter your tradition, if you pray at all, mm -hmm. when you pray, uh, the words you pray um, hold some, some manner of power, right? Like if nothing yeah. else, they, they have power in what they impress upon us. So, yeah. Yeah. so the, the words we pray end up creating like a way of relating to God, a way of speaking to God. Um, they, they're, all, they're formative. They make us into something and uh, almost provide the vocabulary yeah. for prayer. So if, if our prayers... Yeah. Or wishy-washy. Um, it's going to impact us in a different way than if our prayers are, are well-crafted and thought out and contain rich theology. And, and you yeah. end up with a vocabulary of prayer. I mean, how many times have you been asked to pray or, or maybe, maybe it's always been easy for you, but um, I, I'll say for me, how many times have I been asked to pray and I'm dumbfounded and out of words? 
you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. so hard sometimes. Yeah. But I found the more I pray liturgically, if someone asks me to yep. pray, I now have phrases and words and richness to draw on. And uh, I mean, isn't yeah. that what the Psalms are? They're, it's a hymn book. They're prayers that are meant to yeah. be yeah. prayed and sung again and again and again. Um, mm-hmm. and they, and they create, yeah. they create words for us to use elsewhere. So I've just got on a soapbox. Yeah. This is yeah. now a theology podcast, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're sorry, people. We're sorry. <laughs> um, but, I, but I think that's actually the beauty of the Psalms is like, I feel like they really encompass the, the whole of the human person. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know? And so no matter what you feel, how you are, like you can find something in there to pray from the Psalms. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I really don't know where to go from here. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, so I guess well, we, so we, we ran with some of these things, man. I don't know if I was supposed to or not. I, I wasn't sure if we were just on the intro or if, if I was supposed to run with it, but I ran with it. So no, you ran. I mean, I, I think this thing is there's, I just wanted to kind of draw out some things like, yeah, I know I didn't sure. hear you speak of. And so I'm sure there's other people who are kind of wanting to know maybe a little bit more, you know? Yeah. Um, but so, so yeah, so you went to, you know, Tennessee for music stuff. And so did you go from Tennessee to Florida? No, Tennessee to, to Hawaii. And then oh Tennessee to Hawaii that's right and yeah. then to and then and then I moved to and Philadelphia. So then what brought you to Florida? Oh, that's right, Philly. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, so yeah, so I moved I moved from Tennessee to Hawaii, then Hawaii to Philly, and I took the same job with me, you know, working remotely. Uh, and it was when I was in Philadelphia, which was a cool experience living in a big city. Um, I I I love that city. Um, I didn't love it as much when I was there but it's one of those things like in hindsight, like there's a lot of things that are really cool about a lot of things I miss. Um, But I was a little overwhelmed at times, I think with, I don't know, it just feels oppressed. Sometimes a city feels oppressive to me. So many people on top of each other. And uh, I don't know. And I moved there from a five acre avocado farm in Hawaii. So I went from like nobody being around to living in a row house in the hood in North Philadelphia, you know, um, mm. it was culture shock for me. So um, you traded your flip-flops in for Timberlands basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't remember what song, but one of my songs I actually have a reference. Uh, I think it's on uh, the song departures from summer of the cicadas. I talk about trading in my flip-flops, but I don't say for Timberlands, but it oh. is a, it is okay. a loose reference there. Um, but yeah, uh, so Philadelphia was kind of providential, though. Uh, this is another one of those moments where it's like you look back and you go, how could it have worked any other way? Um, yeah. When I was in Philadelphia, our work for this, this company I worked for uh, got really slow. And my work got cut to about a fourth of what it had been. And mm. I was already kind of using all of my means. <laughs> so yeah. I needed it all. <laughs> and so when yeah. I got cut to a fourth, it was really tough. Um, and I, I worked some odd jobs. I was actually, uh, I like to joke that I was the sample lady, um, you know, like, like the sample lady at Costco, but I was the sample lady at yeah. Whole Foods. And, yeah. 
I did that for a while and it paid the rent, you know, and it, yep. it kept things afloat. And then uh, right around that time, Hurricane Sandy smacked into New York and New Jersey. And our business is, uh, I work for engineers who work in the insurance industry. So they're often asked to evaluate property damage after a mm -hmm. hurricane. Yeah. So we got this idea. Well, work is slow in Florida. Let's open yeah, yeah. and let's open one right here. And Hey, Jamie lives in Philadelphia. And so they tapped into me and it turns out, uh, I didn't know how to open an engineering office in, in New York and New Jersey, <laughs> but I do know how to like be friendly to people and I do know yeah. how to do marketing and that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, yeah. they tested me out in Florida and, um, we turned things around and, uh, pretty soon had more work than we knew what to do with. And I've been working in wow. marketing ever since with them. So after flying to Florida a lot from Philly and plus I don't like the cold that much. I mean, I gained like 50 pounds my first year in Philadelphia and I think <laughs> I was scared to go outside and it was too yeah. cold yeah. and there was lots of cheesesteak and yeah. fried chicken everywhere. So yeah. <laughs> it's funny because when i think of um cheesesteak i think yeah. it was like that that uh fresh prince episode where jazzy jeff comes back from philly with like a philly cheesesteak in a bag and it's all greasy dude, he's, dude i he's don't like, know this episode but i gotta see it uh, yeah and he's like he's like oh you know it's good when it's got the grease on the bottom he's not wrong <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> man i had a corner bodega near one of the houses i lived in that i used to skateboard down to and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd ride my longboard down there and they had 350 cheesesteaks, like $3.50. It was a bodega with a grill in the back. And there was just this dude, he didn't even speak English, but you know, he knew enough words from the menu and uh, man, 350, I got so fat on that. Yeah, <laughs> man, I remember it's funny. L luckily it was like my like early twenties, but I was like, I used to work at a cabinet shop and right across the street was a Taco Bell and a Wendy's. Oh, yeah. So I'd always eat there because, you know, it, you know, I'd either get a seven layer burrito or I'd go to Wendy's and get like chicken nuggets and like a dollar salad. Cause A, it was all cheap. And plus those were the healthy options. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I was like, yeah, I was trying to be healthy, you know, eating at Taco Bell and Wendy's, but, um, so now you're in Florida, man. And I'm Florida man. So there we go. Uh, you know, the Florida man thing, right? Uh, yeah. And I'm, and I am Florida man. So uh, every now and then when I find myself barefoot running in the middle of the night through St. Petersburg, Florida, I have to remind myself to slow down or I'm going to be in the news. That's not entirely a true story, but it is partially true. <laughs> I, I have done my share of barefoot running in florida and uh it, whenever i do that the the running joke is um, that pun was not intended the running joke is that i'm gonna be you know florida man and <laughs> yeah F florida's great man i i love it um yeah I, I live in south florida i it took me a while to get out on the local scene on the local music scene um you know i i kind of dropped off the radar um musically for a while during some of these moves um when i was in hawaii you know i did a little i, I performed like once or twice and then um didn't perform at all in philly but mm -hmm. in florida when i you know was getting ready to come back out with some of the cicadas and all that i knew i needed to start performing 
Dude, yeah. honestly, I was afraid to perform in front of the people that I have to see. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I had developed such a stage fright. And my first show, my return show, was actually pretty dope. Um, I, I was able to book a show in Memphis. And I uh, played with this dude, Kid Dead. I don't know if you ever heard Kid Dead, but... Uh, heard of him. So he, he is on, he's on Summer of the Cicadas. Uh, so you may, you may have heard his, his stuff on there, but, um, but he's got his own stuff. Uh, he, he's really great. Anyway, we played a show in Memphis, but that's how scared I was. Like, I could drive all the way to Memphis to play a show and go out there and I'll play it, but I couldn't play for my neighbors. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I've gotten over that. And, you know, the biggest help with that was I started going to open mic nights and, you know, you, especially, uh, there's, there's one open mic night in Lake Worth, uh, Florida, that is just one of the best, most welcoming, but also most talented communities that I've been a part of. Oh, wow. And, That's cool. um, so I actually ended up getting kind of hooked on it and was <laughs> was going and you only get one song you know and that's that's a little weird for me and and i do i do still uh struggle with getting nervous you know there was a time in my life where i performed and didn't have any issues with that you know um and every now and then i try to take myself back mentally to that space but i always get nervous it usually takes me a song to get the jitters out and then i'm usually good mm-hmm. so with an open mic night it sucks because i get up there and i'm nervous oh yeah because you only got that song. one song and then I'm good, but I, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, honestly, I really don't have a whole lot more uh, to ask you. I mean, we could talk for days, honestly. Um, yeah, man. No, I, I think this was good. I just, I, I'm really glad to have a chance to, you know, I, I do a lot of podcast interviews and stuff here and there, but um to be able to like have my own show kind of turn the tables on me uh, was kind of fun, but also uh, to give you a chance to, to be in the driver's seat um, because, you know, we're kind of feeling out the structure and format of this, but like, I think there, there's a lot that you bring to the table and I was really excited for the opportunity to be able to just let you run the show, man. Yeah. I mean, it's been fun. I mean, honestly, it's like, um, some of my favorite podcasts, like I listen to, it's just like, it's, it's almost just like friends talking. And I, and I may, and maybe some of it's because in these times, you know, it's like being able to hear just friends. It, yeah. it feels good. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And sure. uh, I mean, ho- ho- hopefully people listening to that, you know, don't get tired of us talking because there might be <laughs> some episodes. If we don't have anybody, it's just going to be us figuring something out, but yeah. you know, yeah. we, we, we promise to make it, fun we promise to make it interesting we promise to make it um you know it, it's gonna probably get serious at times you know but that's For that's sure. what we do here it's you know it's bruised beards and shipwrecks um and so we'd like to be able to um you know bring out those times of uh you know those those shipwrecks and struggles of life that are pivotal moments in people's life because not everybody gets to tell their story in a at where it's it's uh they feel heard and or feel comfortable and that's what yeah. we want to be able to do here is like yeah we just we want to be able to hear people and let everybody else hear their story so yeah absolutely um but yeah that's all i got man uh you got anything else you wanted to to say um i think um we should we should plug our our socials and um 
I don't know if you're going to ask me the, you know, the big question that gets asked and all that stuff. But, but if you want to do all that, I'm well, you know, it's, fun. it. it's funny. Cause I eat dude. Yeah, man. It's <laughs> funny. Cause I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not, I don't need to, but then in the back, I'm like, duh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so what, I mean, obviously, you know, you've got, you know, beard care on lock. I'm sure, you know, you've got <laughs> obviously new oil, fresh oil. Well, so yeah, let me, um, um, let, let me actually but, tell you, I'm, I'm trying some new stuff with my beard care. Um, so I, I was shampooing my beard and I ended up drying it out. And, uh, and I had this beard oil that I don't know okay. why it wasn't helping, but it wasn't helping. And so now I've tweaked it a little bit. I got a, a beard shampoo. Um, we found it, I think at Marshall's or something. And uh, it smells real nice. I use that. It keeps it nice. I have a beard oil that I use and then um, that I found on Amazon. Um, I used to make my own, right? But um, yeah, we, we did away with that. But here's, here's the new thing that I've, I've started doing is the olive oil hair cream. Um, it's usually sold in like the section for, for black hair, right? Um, and I, when I had longer hair, because my hair gets curly if I grow it out, yeah. um, I used to use that oil um, a black friend recommended to me and she knew what she was talking about. It's fantastic stuff. Um, I don't like the way it smells for, for me being yeah. out in public, uh, so, but I, I don't mind it um, at home. And so in the evening, I've been putting uh, in the olive oil lotion in my beard and it's been real nice. So. I wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. I, I actually finally combed my beard, I think, for the first time yesterday <laughs> or today. Um, and Good work. It, great. I'm glad. Uh, in there, you know, but I'm like, oh, wow, this, this, this actually feels kind of nice. I might keep doing this, you know? Well, because with the comb, you can kind of massage your face a little bit. And so it, sure. it does feel good since I don't comb my hair. I'm like, eh, comb something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, actually a really good thing I found I use, I made my own shampoo, but it works well with your beard is using um, like African black soap. Oh, nice. Um, Cause it doesn't strip the oils out. Yeah. So it, okay. it has a nice lather to it. Um, but I make a shampoo. I'll just take that. Cause it'll be a bar throw that. I can, I'll throw in some water, like kind of let it liquefy and then throw some different essential oils in sure. there and you're good to go. Um, yeah. That sounds nice. Yeah. Um, all right. So what is your bar none favorite hip hop song? All right. So the unfortunate thing is this one has already been played on the, on the show, but. Okay. Do we need to go with second one then? Probably. But, right. but hands down though. Um, cause it was, some, it was, I, I don't know which guest it was, but it was someone else's favorite, but, uh, hands down. Uh, Pete Rock and CL Smooth, they reminisce over you. Over you, yes, yes. I mean, it's just a beautiful song. It's incredible beat. It's memorable flows. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it was just a magical moment in hip hop history too. Like that song will live on. Yeah. And forever. Yeah. <laughs> forever. <laughs> so, so that that's that's easily easily yeah. uh, easily. It. Um, I I don't know necessarily second favorite. Um, it's lots of loving, right? 
<laughs> no, you know, I actually hated that song back then. I know. I there's another podcast you were on you said that and I was like Oh, oh I did. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I kinda like that song. I mean I, I get why you don't though. I get it, you know. I like you go it. from all those other tracks and right. it's that nineties R and B kind of thing. Oh. You know? And I just, I just didn't dig that at the time. I do like that song. Um, yeah. I don't love that song, but I do like mm-hmm. that song now. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, s- secondarily, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be really tough to, to pick a second, but I, I would love to say just like, probably like a game changer um, song would be like, I don't know, Beastie Boys, Intergalactic. Uh, uh. I mean, yeah. their catalog is rich with memorable, incredible stuff. Yes, sir. Um, but that was a very magic moment uh, when I think like everybody thought the v- BC Boys was probably done anyway. And then yeah. Boom, yeah. they jump on the scene and like the video was super creative and, you know, filmed in Japan with you know, giant robots and, you know, like it was quirky, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, just amazing stuff and and those well, lyrics I mean, you think are about it hilarious too so yeah well it's like yeah i know it's like what well, I, I like my what is it? i like my cream no i like my, I like coffee my sugar with, with, coffee with coffee and, and cream. cream yeah <laughs> but i mean but you think about it because it's like check your head came out in 92 um was it ill communication yeah came out in 94 and that yeah. came out in 98 so there was like yeah. a four-year hiatus where people were like what's going on yeah you know so it's like so when that came out it's like that song hit hard and plus it had mix master mike yeah you know yeah so actually you know like and like not just a dj but you know so it added that whole thing to their live shows even you know yeah 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 i i I have a dvd that has some of the their live performances and they were just doing incredible stuff and those guys have so much energy like i don't know how they do it you'll see them like performing and then they run backstage change clothes and like drink a sip of water maybe and then they're back out on stage in a whole new outfit like it's crazy yeah 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 (laughs) all right well um you have just listened to another episode of Brews, Beer, and Shipwrecks with Nomadic Vagabond. I'm on Instagram at Nomadic Vagabond. And you can check us out at Brews Beards on Instagram. Be sure to check out Royal Ruckus at Royal Ruckus Official on Instagram. Hit the Bandcamp, the website. Um, and then you got any other socials you want to plug? Um, no, I, I, I really don't. But I do want to say, um, actually, did you say BrewsBeards.com? bruisebeards.com go there yeah. so th- that that makes it easy to share with people you know and and uh but yeah t- just tell people to look it up and uh definitely could use you know some more five-star reviews especially under the new format subscribe um, please subscribe and you can uh dm us with any any questions or whatever uh we'd we'd love to uh get feedback um and the other thing I wanted to say is I thought maybe since I was kind of wishy-washy on the song, we should close with a different song. Um, and we'll close with one that won't get us muted on Facebook, um, hopefully. Uh, I think we should actually close with one of my songs and because it's relevant to some of the stuff I talked about. And uh, I think I'd like to close with Lost Boys. Um, yes. 
and and that was uh, a track that I did where I got to like address some of my adult reflections on losing yeah. my father, uh, and then Cookbook and uh, Eli Eli um, just brought some incredible heat to the to the table, so to speak, and uh, they you know they had their own. Yeah, parental yeah. stories, right? Yes. And so I think that would be an appropriate one to close this episode out. So. I'm going to let people know, do not listen to that song on your way to work. Just so you know, because <laughs> you're going to show up all teary-eyed and people are going to ask what's happening. But yeah, that's 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 a good song. And it's, yeah, it's it's definitely good. I agree. I agree. Well, if they're on the way to work right now, they better shut the show off. <laughs> it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> well, here it is. Right before 2005, my father up and died. Never knew what's up inside. Said he was cool, but he must have lied. Mustered up the strength because I must survive. Muscles aching, so much pain I see inside my mother's eyes. Mother, why? Why did he die? Why did he leave us? Ain't we some good believers? We always put our faith in Jesus. He heals diseases, man, I take it back. He took a wonderful life and made it whack. Fade to black. In my father's house, we staying at. She start to disrespect my mother, I ain't taking that, take it back We made a pact, but girl, I'm gonna break it I do what's best for Jason, she started doing some investigation You turn my friends against me, you have my father's blessing He even lent you money, man, I'm about to learn a lesson And I'm gonna have to learn it on my own, I'm all alone My daddy's gone and my family's tone 2005 and I felt the scone One evening late, then I brush it aside like nothing to bake within my brain. Between the grains of sand, time will pass, and she'll forgive and I'll forget. It's nothing big, nothing to be concerned about. Love is bigger than the both of us. I doubt it'll linger past the fight, but nights and days pass, and she's depressed. I broke the plane of trust, and now it's dead inside the chest. I can't resuscitate the hearts apart. This plate, I slayed us both by letting too much time pass. Laziness and avoidance killed the dove and filled the void with doubt, and now it rots. The consequence of abandonment. Speak up, our loser, that's accurate. Me and you can work this out If you can find inside Me and you can work this out Rolled at age 37 Didn't expect to leave a lifetime of questions Thought I got my lessons at all common sessions I make my confessions Each one was getting deeper Tried to be a teacher Looking for a leader Siblings were seniors Mom the cheerleader Mom got remarried Mark tried to carry The burden left behind From the father we buried No way to understand the weight Of a missing man Or calculate missed time On a second hand No chance to plan No way to say goodbye Lifetime of wine Occasional cry Too many goodbyes Let's slap that up Dips and ties Things end abrupt My soul erupts With the proper correct I'm trying to bring myself A fresh perspective oh.